What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hi, everybody. I'm Fran Spielman. And with us today is Alderman Brendan Riley, the President Pro Tem of the City Council. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So how does the son of an East Coast doctor end up as a Chicago politician? Uh, well, it was a kind of a, a long, strange trip in how I got here. I moved here from, from Boulder, Colorado um, years ago. Um, I was actually cooking Mexican food out there and skiing a lot. Oh. Um, my father and mother had just moved to Chicago. He took over uh, Cook County Hospital as chairman of medicine. And I had worked on Capitol Hill uh, before I moved to Colorado. And he suggested maybe I should take a look at politics again. And so I, I came back here and uh, sent my resume around and uh, eventually was offered a job uh, making $18,000 a year working in the Illinois House of Representatives. So you did races for Mike Madigan, right? You were one of his top lieutenants. Did you ever notice any Me Too stuff going on down there? You know, the culture down there uh, was pretty out of, out of hand when, when I was there myself. Um, Describe it. There were a lot of you know, blurred lines. Uh, lobbyists acting inappropriately, um, legislators acting inappropriately. I did um, actually a woman I was dating at the time um, was sexually harassed by a Republican state representative from central Illinois. Um, she staffed a committee and uh, actually Speaker Madigan uh, at the time called that representative into his office and reprimanded him hmm. and said if it happened again it would be leaked to the press. That was my only experience with that directly because I was dating someone who was on the receiving end of it. Um, but it was a toxic culture and there was a lot of room I think to improve that. Um, everything that's been played out the last two years demonstrates there's a need to clean it up. Um, but yeah, it was, a, it was not a healthy environment. It was an ugly environment, it sounds like. Yeah, it was. And yet, you're describing Madigan as having handled it. In that, in that case, he did. Um, it's been a long time since I worked there. I'm not familiar with the recent uh, series of events. Um, but my personal experience when I was there is that that was what I witnessed. Does it surprise you that his staff, you know, the Kevin Quinns and all that stuff that went on with uh, Sean Decremer and uh, uh, Mapes and all that, did, does that describe the Madigan that you knew and handled it that way? Again, it was a different time. I'm not very familiar with all the stuff that's played out. I, I haven't focused on it that much. Um, but in my experience, the speaker always took these types of allegations very seriously. Um, I can't speak to what's, what's happened recently. 
So Mayor Lightfoot now is, is facing a big test with the CTU, mm -hmm. a 94% vote. Right. Unbelievable. <laughs> I think it's even higher than when Rahm instigated I the strike in 2020. I think you're probably right, yeah. Yeah, and why? Well, I, I think there's a, a real um, movement to get teachers better pay. And, uh, but they have a good pay offer on the table. It's not about pay, I, it's more I, about the... The extra, the, the reducing class sizes, and the, those are all noble goals, and I think everyone supports them. Um, and the staff, the extra staff. Absolutely, staff. I think that you know, what the teachers union wants um, is something that every parent would want for their kids in the public schools. The question becomes, can we afford all of these things right now? Um, I think as far as a long-term goal, I think these are achievable goals. But I don't think we can get all that done right now all at once, given all the fiscal pressures that we're facing right now. Um, and so I do think that the offer on the table is a fair one. Uh, and I hope that they can work this out uh, quickly. But I'm a strong supporter of, of, of the teachers union. Uh, I think that their agenda is appropriate. I just think that they're being a bit aggressive in the timing and wanting all these things delivered at once. Should she put this stuff in writing, the staffing promises that she claims are baked into her budget at the schools? I, I think that would be appropriate. Uh, and I, obviously, if they're going to reach a, a deal, it'll have to be in writing, I, I would assume. I'm talking about the staffing promises. That's what we're waiting for, really. I'm not so familiar with that part. Um, but I think at the end of the day, if you make an agreement and you, and you make a promise, what difference does it make if you put it on paper? Yeah, so you think she should? Again, I'll defer to the mayor on that. It's her decision, uh, and I support this mayor. Um, but if, if a promise is made, I think whether it's done verbally or in writing, it should be just as binding. So how damaging would a strike be to the city and to her personally, politically, nationally, everywhere? Um, it would certainly be disruptive for the administration heading into uh, a very difficult budget season. Yeah. Um, it's an additional, you know, front to have to fight a war on. Um, the teachers union is very well organized, um, and we saw how it played out with Mayor Emanuel. Um, obviously, I think the mayor wants to avoid this. She's hoping that, that you know, cooler heads will prevail and that this will be approved. Um, but I don't know how, how this is going to play out, uh, and I don't know how it will impact the mayor. And can a shrinking system afford another strike? Won't it send parents running for the hills? Well, I hope not. I hope not. And I hope we can avoid a strike. I hope they can reach a fair deal that works for, for the teachers and for the parents and the taxpayers. Um, but I don't, I, don't, I don't see this thing. I, I really think they're close. And if you can avoid a strike, let's do that. It's, it's disruptive to families. It interrupts the education of our students. Um, so let's just hope they can, they can find a fair deal here. Do you find a major difference between how she's conducted herself in this and how he has conducted, he conducted himself, Rahm Emanuel did, uh, especially with the fact that this teachers union was for Preckwinkle 150%? Sure. Um, you know, I wasn't real up close to how Rahm was managing things with the teachers union. Obviously, it didn't go very well. Um, I believe Mayor Lightfoot is making a good faith effort to, to get this resolved and in a fair way for the teachers. Um, she, I think, has been more communicative than, than Mayor Emanuel was. Um, I think she's more personally and directly involved now. than Less than, bullying. Than, <laughs> yes, less bullying. I, I, I enjoy my working relationship with Mayor Lightfoot. 
Um, she is super smart and disciplined and pragmatic. Uh, and the one thing I really like about this mayor is that she reads things <laughs> and she takes notes. I had many, many meetings with Mayor Emanuel and uh, he never ever once pulled out a piece of paper and a pen to jot down notes. That's been my experience with every one of my meetings I've had with the mayor. And uh, that's impressive. What she, does it say about her? I, I mean, she even does it when she's listening to the speakers at the city council. Yeah, it, it means she's paying attention and she's listening. Um, that's important. And so um, I, I like her, her style, her leadership style. Obviously, she's new to, new, new to politics, but she's got, I think, a, a perfect skill set for this job. Um, I have confidence then that she can work out these problems that we have with the contract for the Chicago Teachers Union. Did, did she take notes when you told her that you want marijuana sales <laughs> of recreational marijuana downtown? I don't think, no, I don't think, and actually the mayor and I have not had a direct conversation about cannabis. I, I've been working through her staff. Um, look, you think she's going to bend on this? Because she said, if we opened a two-story liquor store on Michigan Avenue, people would be up in arms. Well, I actually agree with Mayor Lightfoot that there are certain retail quarters we, where we shouldn't encourage this. So I agree with the mayor that the Mag Mile Pry isn't the best place for a dispensary. But where we disagree is that I do think there's a role for dispensary licenses in the central business district when the program starts. The mayor, I think, has very valid concerns about equity and making sure that, that minority-owned businesses can participate in this new economy. Uh, and she doesn't want all the incumbent medical uh, marijuana distributors to get a big leg up when other folks are ready to come compete. And so I think there's a way to achieve the mayor's equity goals, um, making sure that these licenses are spread throughout the city in a, in a fair fashion, um, while also allowing us to enjoy some revenue downtown where the 600,000 commuters a day are working. Okay, so where, and where our 57 million tourists are spending their time and money. Okay, so you said Michigan Avenue should be off limits. That's fine. That's our pristine shopping district. So where then? I think that these would blend in rather easily in the loop. Mm -hmm. um, there's where not, in the loop? Like State Street? I'm not going to pick locations, but my point is that the, the loop is still heavily commercial. Um, while the residential population is growing, it's really restricted to a handful of high-rises. You can tuck these things in, and they're rather nondescript, um, without anyone really noticing. You know, the, the problem here is there's a stigma attached to marijuana, right? Uh, everyone that looks at it through the 70s and 80s lens is people just getting whacked out and stoned. Um, my experience, I visited these dispensaries in Colorado. People are not hanging out in front of these places smoking dope. They go in, they do their transaction, and they leave. It's as quiet as going to a pharmacy. And that's actually the new experience now. Um, the, the marijuana industry has evolved in the last 10 or 12 years. We're now looking at marijuana 2.0. Um, the way that they're marketing these products, it's not let's go have a good time. It's let us help you treat your pain. Let us help you get off of opioids. Let us help you with lifestyle choices, wellness, these sorts of things. Can't sleep? Try this. Um, so it's a very different industry now. And if you go into these retail stores, they look like Apple stores. They're clean, they're bright. There's not a lot of product hanging around. They have people that sit there and they consult you. What's your problem? What are you looking to do? Um, and the branding 
is it looks like Walmart or, or Kmart or whatever. Take your pick. So you think it blends in well with the college kids who are downtown in the Loop? I mean, look, the Loop has become like a college town. I'm less, I'm less interested in serving the needs of, of the downtown student. I'm more interested in the commuters that are going to be going back to suburbs where they've banned the sale of this. Let's take advantage of that. The tourists, 57 million people. Denver has a cannabis tourism economy. I'm not saying Chicago should build one of those, but if you're coming here for food and architecture, some people are probably gonna to wanna to partake in this as well. I want their tax dollars. So my proposal is in the central business district, cap the number of dispensaries to three, to three or four, uh -huh. and hold that cap in place until minority owned businesses and new market entrants are ready to come and compete then lift the cap and let them come into the downtown market and participate in the economy. I think that achieves the mayor's equity goals, which I share, and it also gets us revenue years one, two, and three. So I'm hoping we can meet in the middle. Um, my experience with the mayor, she's reasonable, um, and I think this is an area where we can make a compromise while still achieving her key objectives. She says there's not that much money in this for the city. Do you well, if you that? don't sell it in the central core, there's not. And, and I think she that, says it's 10 million no matter what you do. Well, um, I'm not sure where the mayor got her figures. Um, you don't agree. We've extrapolated and, and the number's much, much what, larger what than that. What is your number? Well, closer to 25 million. Okay. And once this thing grows, we're talking about a substantial amount of money. You have to also remember there are spin-off businesses that crop up around these dispensaries. The consumption on-premise license, for example, where you can buy a membership in like a cigar bar, go and smoke your stuff and have a cup of coffee. Um, folks that uh, have, do security. There's a lot of jobs built into this. And so I, I think uh, it would be a mistake for us to restrict this by drawing a circle around downtown uh, and sending people to Lincoln Park and, and to Fulton Market. Would you put one, for example, in Ogilvy in the Union Station? It sounds like that, was, that would be perfect. There's not a lot of residential density there. It, it would not impact quality of life, and it would certainly get to that commuter market that could be really lucrative for, for us. Um, so that could be an appropriate location. Again, we have to work through all this with the mayor's office and negotiate, hopefully, a good zoning ordinance. Um, and that, of course, will dictate what is and what is not appropriate. Um, my hope, though, is that we can um, be a little bit less restrictive from the get-go. Um, we've looked at best practices in other cities. The one thing that's been consistently true is that central business district is what fuels the cannabis engine. And so I think it would be a mistake for us to exclude that. Alderman Villegas uh, inadvertently introduced <laughs> an ordinance, <Yeah. laughs> a false start <laughs> flag, yeah. um, that has consumption, on-site consumption everywhere, just yeah. about. Where do you think we should limit on-site consumption? <laughs> that was, that was, I, again, <laughs> I know that was a draft. Um, that was a pretty sweeping uh, wow. proposal and <laughs> very permissive. Um, yes, what do you Far think? more than my liking, for okay, sure. Okay, so what's your liking um, about you on-site? You should not be able to consume cannabis in a bar or restaurant. I, I, I just fundamentally disagree with that. Um, in fact, I think you should be very limited in where you can smoke marijuana. Where? Um, your home, uh, first and foremost. Sure. But there is um, on the table now in the mayor's proposal a consumption on-premise license. You need a special use and get that through the Zoning Board of Appeals. Um, there are two visions. One is that they could be actually side-by-side uh, -side to With a dispensary. With the dispensary, yeah. Uh, or, its own, or its own standalone. Yeah. 
Um, my preference uh, would be standalone um, facilities. I don't like the idea of, of co-mingling a dispensary with consumption on-premise in the same place. Because actually I want to attack the stigma <laughs> attached to dispensaries where people are hanging out getting stoned. Oh. Um, I'd much rather those truly be a retail experience and off you go. Mm -hmm. um, but my colleagues have different views on that. That's one of the items that will be negotiated over the next couple of weeks. So if you had your way, where and how many on-site consumption places would we have in Yeah, I haven't even really started to think about that, um, but I, I see a role for these. It, it, we've seen in other cities like Seattle and Denver um, that do have a tourism economy built around this. Their problem was tourists were coming to the city and because of smoking bans, they'd buy the product and then they'd be breaking the law where they, when they were consuming it. So they also now are just catching up in establishing consumption on-premise licenses in their cities. So this is a way to get at that tourism money. Give these folks a safe place to go and do it where they're not a public nuisance um, and where they can be regulated and, and watched. So you're saying freestanding on-site consumption lounges or whatever, and how many in the city? Um, that hasn't been nailed yet. Uh, we what would you, in your you know, wildest you know, dreams. Uh, arbitrary. I, I honestly couldn't give you a great number. You but know, none. a couple dozen, uh, you know. A couple dozen in the entire city. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that probably serve, serve the market. Yeah. Look, m my interest in this is, is not for the lifestyle choice. I want the revenue. Sure. And the city desperately needs it. Um, and the, the beauty of an ordinance is it's a living, breathing document. If we launch this program right. a certain way, uh, like other cities, we'll learn as we go. Um, but we do have the benefit of seeing how other big cities have managed this or mismanaged it. And I think learning from their experiences, we can make this a model. Um, but again, there's more work to do negotiating that. Where would you like to see the casino go? You know, um, I'm, I don't have a strong opinion on it. I, I think that it should be proximate to downtown. Uh, I don't necessarily believe it needs to be in the heart of downtown. The downtown economy is doing very well. And there are uh, economic multipliers that come with the siting of a casino. So I think the mayor was right to first look at neighborhoods that need more investment. Uh, I think that the casino study proved that, that none of those were viable sites. The tax structure, of course, needs to be addressed by Springfield. Um, but to answer your question, I've floated a couple times already the idea of taking advantage of McCormick Place East. It would cost more than $100 million to demolish that building, but it would take about as much to refurbish it and repurpose it for a casino. I don't think the building should have been built on the lakefront in the first place. But as long as we're stuck with it. But there it is. And, and I think it's a strong argument for an adaptive reuse. Uh, permanently. That's, that should be the permanent side of the casino, not a temporary one. Again, it's a suggestion. I don't have really strong feelings on this. I'm not a huge fan of casino gambling personally. No, but, um, but if we're well, going to have, have it. If we're going to have a casino, I do think it needs to be near the tourists and the conventioneers, not necessarily on top of them, uh, but that was just one site I threw out there creatively. Um, there are other sites that I think makes sense because it would cost less. It would be a lot cheaper, uh, and it also would I think make the state of Illinois and the city of Chicago their landlord, in effect. Um, and so there's also revenue to be gained there. Um, but again, I have a totally open mind. At the end of the day, I'll defer to the mayor's judgment. Uh, but that was one idea I just wanted to throw out there. What about the issue of conventioneers being pulled off the floor because it's too close to That's the... That's legitimate. 
Um, and I've heard that. What about McCormick Place East on that front? That would be one of the challenges. Um, I don't know that casinos have hurt Las Vegas's convention economy. They're doing rather well, actually. Um, but it is an argument that people um, do throw out there. Um, again, uh, that would have to be considered. But uh, Vegas is doing okay with casinos and conventions. And on the budget, the $838 million shortfall, what are your ideas and can a property tax increase be avoided? Um, I'm going to be waiting for the mayor to make her recommendations on revenue. My focus during the budget hearings will be entirely on efficiencies and cuts. We're not going to be able to cut our way out of that budget hole. Uh, the mayor, I know, is appealing to Springfield for some help with revenue options. She's unlikely to get any of it the, and, in the fall veto session. You and know that. Uh, like you, I'm, I'm skeptical. Uh, it's an election year. Uh, we're heading into primary season, uh, and that could become a political football. But she's going to make the effort, and whatever, any ounce of relief we get from Springfield, she'll need to bake into next year's budget. Um, but I'm going to wait to hear her ideas on revenue. I do believe, though, um, based on my 12 years of experience with these budgets, there is still a tremendous amount of low-hanging fruit in these Where? departments. Where? Middle management. We have a bloated middle management bureaucracy in the city of Chicago, and we have for years. These are folks making six figures, um, and manager ratio in Chicago is wrong. When I was an executive at AT&T, we had a, a manager to employee ratio of one manager to 12 to 14 employees. In the city of Chicago, it's one to six. You correct that, that's $120 million in savings. We have too many managers. We have managers at City Hall that manage two people, in some cases, one person. That's wrong. So that's. Are you talking about police and fire that have some? I'm talking across um, across all departments, especially in infrastructure departments. But that will be something that we talk about during the budget. I'm pre-submitting a whole host of questions to each of these departments. Please come to these hearings prepared with this information, so we don't have to wait for you to get back to us through the chairman of the committee. We want to talk about these things in real time. That's something that's to be different this year. What about the huge numbers of brass in both police and fire? Big salaries there. There are a lot of salaries there, and I know that's something that the administration is going to look at. You think that that should absolutely not be a sacrosanct thing where you just leave them alone? Look, we're, we're, we're facing a budget crisis. Um, everything needs to be looked at. And just because we've been doing things a certain way for a long time doesn't necessarily mean that's correct. And so I think with a brand new mayor, she's bringing a brand new set of eyes to really old problems. And I do think she's going to find a different way of doing things in some of these departments. We have to. These departments were designed 100 years ago, right? We need to modernize these things and actually look at them and, and their mission. What are we good at doing as a city? What are we not so good at doing? Let's be in the business of doing what we're good at really, really well and get out of the business of, of doing things we're not so good at. There's opportunity for that. Um, and so that will be my role during the budget hearings is to be exposing some of these opportunities to cut waste and save money. And then I'll react to the mayor's plan on revenue. Anything new on the spire? It looked like things were going well and all of a sudden nothing. Um, the spire actually, uh, the developer reached out to the Department of Planning recently and asked them to stop reviewing their plans. They're going to make some adjustments uh, to the, the plan for that site. So we probably won't be re-engaging with Related Midwest for probably another couple of months until they come back with uh, a new set of plans. What, what, what are they fixing? Um, I honestly couldn't tell you. All, all I know is that they have asked that their current proposal be shelved 
and that they'll get back to us with a new proposal in the next couple of months. Are you disappointed? Um, no. Uh, look, it's, it's one of the most valuable sites in downtown Chicago. It will be developed and there'll be something spectacular there. Um, I'm, you know, I really don't care who hap happens to build that building when it is built, but that will be a, uh, a world-class site. And the Trib Tower, what do you hear from Golub? Um, we're still negotiating that project. We made a lot of progress. Um, the, the, really, the, the, the sticking points that are holding that project up are almost entirely related to traffic circulation and loading. And so we've done a number of site visits with, with traffic engineers and CDOT engineers, um, seeing where we can stage things to take pressure off of the infrastructure around the building itself. Uh, and we've made a lot of progress. There, there, we've worked with CDOT to design a cut through the base of the building on Upper Illinois. So it internalizes all their curbside traffic under their building. So it's not out on the curb blocking flow. That was very important to neighbors. Uh, all the loading for that site will occur on lower Illinois in the kind of subterranean area below the, sun, uh, the, below the Tribune. And uh, that will help us a lot too. So we're close. Um, I think we can get a deal done here in the next couple months, hopefully. Before we go, are you still in mourning for the Cubs? My dog named no. Theo, you're a big... <laughs> it's been a process. You know, I was sad, then I was angry, now I'm bitter. You know, I mean, what a monumental collapse. I mean, I love the Cubs as a season ticket holder. It was, it was absolutely heart-crushing this September. It was awful, awful. And we're in for a bloodbath, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, and, maybe and, we should be. Well, it's going to be a pretty bleak year for Chicago sports fans, I think, oh. between the Bulls, the Hawks, and the Pacers. All right, we'll have to console each other. Yes. Brendan Riley, thank, thank you. you for joining us, Thanks. and we'll see you all next week.